and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about sad things like summer camp color war and also slavery, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm not Kate. And for this episode, we read Meet Addie by Connie Porter and Molly Saves the Day by Valerie Tripp. Joining us to discuss the American Girl series is Rebecca, children's book publicist and American Girl enthusiast. Hello. Hello. It's me. (laughs) Rebecca from TV. (laughs) So we have a Becca and a Rebecca, and hopefully that will not be too confusing. I was going to say, we could just refer to me only as Comet, but that might derail things. That might derail the whole thing. I know. Uh, as you have noticed by there being two Beccas and zero Kates, just one. <laughs> uh, Kate is not here. She is, you know what? She already, she saw a great comment at this point in the timeline, but I guess she's still just hanging out outside it's the theater. And ruined it. <laughs> no, but even by the time it comes out, whatever. There was a whole thing we were doing and now it's just, forget it. I'm so comment. <laughs> Kate's not here is the main thing I literally met Dave Malloy but whatever <laughs> the main thing is Kate's not here and so there's so now Becca's gonna have to do her best to keep this ship on track cause god knows oh. I'm not gonna do it I did a terrible <laughs> job with uh, Saddle Club I'm gonna try and do better this time god knows I'm steering the ship straight into shore please Becca be the lighthouse keeping us keeping us going or the, the canoe or a canoe gonna say you're the the bad canoe girl and i'm just molly trying to keep us going straight (laughs) and your life is so difficult uh okay so kate is gone becca's here rebecca's here we're gonna talk about the american girl series as part of our flashback summer where we return to some best-selling books of yesteryear although as rebecca will discuss uh this is still a best-selling series still going on although we're dipping back into some older ones and uh i'm i'm gonna go ahead and say there's there's nothing worse about these they're just some good old flashback bestsellers and that's my statement i mean they're a little worst in places okay they they have their worst moments yeah as soon as i that's said that it's pretty pretty yeah you're pretty, right, pretty. right you're right you're right <laughs> okay we'll get in yeah that. yeah but overall you know, pretty good. Yeah, could be far worse. They're a good nostalgic romp. Yes. All right. So for anyone who, um, actually, you know what? Before we get into it, let's just go around and say uh, the question that frequently comes up amongst uh, millennial girls and women and other genders. Uh, what American Girl doll did you have as a child? I did not have any of them because they cost as much as two weeks groceries for my family. Mm-hmm. And... Having one seemed impossible. I, I did, like, get the catalogs in the mail and would, like, it was like the Bible. It was like there was a reverence. Absolutely. Which one would you have wanted? I always liked Felicity. Felicity. Just because I grew up liking the, and still do, uh, that period of history the most. Because, you know, I grew up in Boston. We fucking love the revolution. <laughs> so, like, I felt a kinship because I knew, like, what they were talking about all the time. And, you know, she was red hair and I have kind of reddish hair. And I was like, all right, I like Felicity. I'm into Felicity's it. Felicity's my twin. She's That's, got freckles. She's, she's my 21. Nice. Red hair, green eyes. Nice. Um, I will say I also did not have one. 
Uh, also got the catalog. Also, you know, I, I guess after a certain point, like all girls, like it just showed up and you knew that you were. Yeah, they just found all those girls in America for the American Girls catalog. So, um, yeah, I didn't have one. I I would have wanted a Molly if I could have had one. And like years later, I, I don't know how it came up, but I mentioned something to my mom about like having always wanted an American Girl doll. And she was like, well, you never, you never said you wanted one. And I was like, well, I just, I knew they were really expensive. Like, I didn't, I didn't even ask for one. I just sort of, like, pined. And she was like, well, you know, like, in Oak Brook, they have, like, the American Girl Factory reject store. We could have got you, like, a slightly defective one. And I was like, <laughs> I would have taken that. I didn't know that was on the table. <laughs> so, any of you, if you're out here listening, like, dream big. You could, you could have had a defective American Girl doll. And it probably would have been really beautiful. And honestly, when they are defective, they're not that hard to fix. Yeah, well. Said like a true collector. Yeah. Yeah. So I also want to interject quickly that um, my, you know, I don't actually know if I got around to mentioning her when we talked about Saddle Club last two weeks ago. Uh, My best friend as a child had horses, and I feel like that was part of the reason why I was like never that into horses, because they were always like there at her house, and I was like, ugh. Like, familiarity just bred boredom for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's horses again. I don't care. But her name was Samantha, and she had a Samantha doll, and I was obsessed with it. So I've sort of had access to a Samantha doll by proxy. And, like, my God, they had all of the little things for Samantha. The little apple, little desk. (sighs) It's actually a peach. Don't doll some (laughs) Well, actually. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, so clearly I've I've given myself away as not a doll expert. Rebecca, why don't you take it away and tell us about your dolls? So I'm going to plead the fifth on how many of these dolls I have. But let's just say that I've been collecting them for many, many years. I believe 23 years. And Samantha was my first. Um, And I, too, had most, if not all, of her collection because I was incredibly spoiled. (laughs) I'm gross. I apologize. Hashtag blessed. (laughs) Recognize it. (laughs) Don't you recognize your doll privilege? I have a lot. We're we're just like little Nellies, like just like gazing in. Yeah, sorry guys. I will. I will work really hard to get you out of a child labor situation. Thank you. <laughs> like Samantha did. Just to be clear to anyone who thought that I was just making a really inappropriate joke. Right. Yeah, we're not going to go into in depth in the Samantha books, but that was one of her main plot lines. Was she was a little rich girl and her her friend like. I don't know, what, did she work in a factory or something? What was her deal? Yes. She was, well, she was a maid next door, and then she got fired and had to go work at the factory after her dad died. It was a really bad situation. I say that with all seriousness. Yeah, of course. We're taking yeah. this shit serious. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yes, I, I do actively still collect the dolls at the age of 30, because I'm an adult and I do what I want. And Yeah. They're cool. A few years ago, my friend Jenny and I were in Chicago, and there's, like, a big American Girl uh, store there with, like, the cafe and all that. And we went in, and we had this realization of, like, okay, these dolls cost, what, like, $120 or something. And we're like, that's, A, very expensive for a doll. But then also we had the secondary, like, realization, like, oh, 
we're adults with disposable income. Like, we could totally buy these dolls that we wanted and never got if we wanted. And we didn't buy them, but just that was a very thrilling moment to just walk around and be like, yeah, like, if I wanted, I could buy this doll. I could buy it right now. You sure could. Oh. Also, so you're, I will you're living that dream. That while $120 is obviously an insane price point for a doll, if you take the $82 that they cost in our childhood and adjusted for inflation, they would be $147.50. So actually, mm, Mattel's good, done us some favors. It's a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, also, we were walking around the store and we saw how much they were or whatever and had that realization. And also, that was around the time they were retiring Molly. And so that mm. was that was what made me like kind of close to just like impulse buying an expensive doll. I was like they're getting rid of Molly, and I was like, no, calm down. You don't you don't even have anywhere to put Molly. So, <laughs> so I guess if if you had are not familiar at all with the American Girl concept, this is probably a really bewildering ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> so we'll backtrack a little bit and just. If you're not familiar, these are some very fancy dolls who, at least when they started, were grounded in a s- different historical periods, and each girl had a set of books that told, like, her story in her time. So, for example, um, Addie was the girl of the Civil War, and so her books are about slavery and escaping from slavery, and Molly was the girl of World War Two, and her books are about summer camp (laughs) (laughs) yeah adventures and And struggles and oppression you find there yeah and you know trying to win the scrap metal drive that kind of that kind of drama i just want to i just want to point out oh sorry continue (laughs) Sorry, that was <laughs> that was like I I think I only owned three books and I think I didn't really care about them very much so I never got like the rest of them out of the library except for maybe a couple but that was the three that I had was the learn the lesson for Felicity, Molly and Samantha and I remembered the Molly one maybe the strongest well I remember the Felicity one because I was like yeah now I know how to like decline tea when I'm boycotting tea during taxation without representation this is an important <laughs> life lesson. <laughs> And Molly, like, and her friends who were, like, trying to help the war, and they couldn't, they were, like, couldn't get enough bottle caps to make a difference, and so then they were, like, oh, we'll knit a bunch of socks for people, and then no one knew how to knit socks, and they all just ended up with squares, so they made a quilt, and I was, like, well, you helped someone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, of the sort of original group of girls, Molly's problems are perhaps the least intense but that's because world war ii was not happening in america directly you know so she's she's kind of i'm not even i don't feel that bad for her she's she pouts about turnips i don't know i don't have a lot of patience for it i also i mean for me i think i liked molly the most because she was the most relatable because because her problems weren't that big and so i found her problems the most relatable but that's fair. We can dig into that a little bit more, maybe when we focus in on the books. But so, um, so yeah, there there are these dolls. As we mentioned earlier, if you were a girl in America in like the eighties, nineties, you probably got one of these catalogs at your house. Uh, you... I still get it at my house. Oh, <laughs> nice, lucky. 
Um, yeah, so the company was started by a woman named Pleasant Roland. Uh, it was originally called Pleasant Company. They have since been bought by Mattel, and now they're officially called American Girl. Um, but they were pleasant. They were Pleasant Company American Girl dolls before that. And anyway, she was a an elementary school teacher, and she was looking for like ways in to teaching kids about different historical periods. And so she developed the idea of having the books um, combined with the dolls and with the accessories. And initially each book had its own sort of set of accessories and outfit that paired with it over time, the lines expanded much more beyond that. But that's, that's sort of the initial idea behind it was it was really supposed to be like an educational tool for the wealthy who could afford it. Uh, womp womp. <laughs> I'll interject now that one cool thing that a lot of public libraries do now is circulate American Girl dolls so you can, you know, borrow one for a week. So that's cool. Yeah, I've seen that on the internet. Um, I saw a really cool one who was being circulated with um, a picture book about um, refugees and she had a headscarf and I was like, this is really cool. This is cooler than anything that the company itself is producing right now. Huh. <laughs> well, so. so, yeah, so it's really expanded now, and you can, like, get a doll made to look like you or look like your child, I guess. Um, but that's not our main thing. We're mainly talking about these books. Are they, they yeah. still do books for the, for the historical dolls anyway, right? The historical dolls still get, um, get books. Yep, absolutely. And also the girl of the year line. So there's one modern doll every year who gets a book series okay. and now they're introducing contemporary characters. So it's like a whole other thing, but yes, books are still happening. Great. And the original three dolls that came out with their stories were Kirsten, who is the Swedish uh, immigrant to Minnesota, um, <laughs> and Samantha, who is the Victorian Edwardian, arguably, um, privileged young lady who, uh, learns about income inequality and child labor by making friends with the servant girl next door. And comes with a big hair bow. Oh, she does. She comes with several hair bows, depending <laughs> on how many of her outfits you acquire. Um, and then Molly, who is our World War II girl who we've been talking about. And then a little later, they introduced Felicity, who was the colonial girl. She's her family are rebels and her best friend's a loyalist. So, you know, that's a hard time. And then finally, the fifth doll that was introduced was Addie. And that was the first um, bit of racial representation we got. Ooh, it didn't happen until 1993, and the dolls started being produced in 1986, I believe. Okay. So, that's unfortunate. So, it took a minute to get there. Just <laughs> took a minute. And so, yeah, Addie, and I, w I would note that, like, a lot of the time, people, and by people, I mostly mean racists. Um, Great. Like, to write off Addie as being, oh, she's the slavery doll, you know, like, that's like all there is to her story and it's like well okay first of all even if that was all there is to her story that's like a pretty big story kind of important but also she actually only spends the first three or four chapters of her first book out of five in slavery um most of it is about her life after making it to the north and being in philadelphia and 
the life that she and her family build there. Um, and I mean, they're all kind of one gimmick characters. Like, it'd be like, oh, she's the slavery doll. Yes, and Molly's the America in World War II doll. And, like, none of them have a lot of depth. No, yeah, but <laughs> but we only complain about it when they're not white. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying to them. Like, yeah. yes, you're all you're all like this, <laughs> Susan, yep. Minnesota. Sometimes you'll see these moms in like the yeah, I'm in America Girl Facebook groups. It's a thing, and sometimes you'll see the mo- these moms in there being like, "Well, I just think it would be great if we could get like an Addy Plantation set." No, oh and I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, please, God, listen to what you're saying. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. Oh. But, you know, I I think that Pleasant Company and Mattel having taken over Pleasant Company, like, I think that they try to um, be representative of all the different kinds of girls who are uh, in America, but they're just not always doing a great job. They're falling short sometimes. Well, we can talk about that more a little later. Yeah, we and we'll, we'll probably have some um, links to some articles up at worstbestsellers.com if you want to real, really dive in deep to doll controversy. And you probably do. Yeah, you, you definitely do. Because do, the there's Wikipedia so much page, of it. Read about the permanent underwear controversy, <laughs> because that was my afternoon. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was the last six weeks of my life. <laughs> amazing the entire fandom exploded um yeah but they've taken it back there will no longer be permanent underwear on the dolls everything will be okay now they will be nude as god and mary in north dakota intended them they will not be never nudes (laughs) they will not they will not and you know in 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 Trump era America. Oh boy. <laughs> the things that we should be worrying about are in fact whether or not the undies are sewn onto our dolls or whether we can remove them. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. Anyway. America. <laughs> anyway, so speak, speaking of people with difficult problems, let's meet Addie. <laughs> oh, Addie. So Addie's book was written by Connie Porter. All of Annie's Eddie's books were, I believe. I said that confidently yeah. and then realized I was. I sure. looked it up this afternoon because I, I was saying um, I had never actually considered the authors of these books as a child, obviously, because mm-hmm. it didn't matter. And I was kind of like surprised and, and mildly impressed as in, look at that low bar you cleared to see that they actually had hired a, a black woman to write these books for Eddie. Yeah. I was like, oh, good for you. <laughs> but then. That's, you know, the least we could expect out of you. <laughs> yeah. But... I don't want to say this for certain, but she may be, it may be the first series that wasn't written by Valerie Tripp. It did look like, yeah, when I looked at Valerie Tripp too, she wrote most all the rest of them. <laughs> uh, I was, I did read, I think I read every American Girl do- book of the, of the five. So like 30 books I must have read at least. Um so I had read this, and I remembered parts of it very clearly, but as a child, I don't think I fully understood, like, what a dark and despairing tale this is. Like, 
This shit is harrowing that Addie mm-hmm. goes through. They do not shy away from the like realities of how not fun it was to be a slave. Right. That's for sure. Which, um, you know, we'll, we'll link to this. Uh, if you're not plugged into the, the children's book world, there's been a lot of controversy over the last few years about some picture books, um, uh, a fine dessert and another one. Um, like picture books written for children about slavery where the slaves seem like kind of chill and happy and just kind of the the backlash against that of like uh, no slavery suck don't do that versus well it's for children and we don't want it to be like Addie's hellscape but this book is is not not worried about that at all (laughs) no I mean I think it walks the line really well because it obviously is um you know awful the things that she goes through but you're also not dealing with issues of like rape right okay okay you're right there's no rape in me addy whipping is (laughs) implied but doesn't actually like the the overseer has a whip and is threatening with it but i don't think anyone ever actually gets whipped he hits her once yes and her brother has been whipped yes yes yeah yeah and i mean other i mean there's also a really quite graphic for what it is scene where she's forced to eat worms that she has missed um, while she was picking p- the bugs off of the plants at, the, at her master's That's plantation. what I remembered most clearly. Like, when I was rereading this, I was like, oh, the worms, I hated that part. And I kind of forgot that she had a baby sister who they left behind in slavery, which in retrospect is the worst thing, but... <laughs> yeah. As a child, I I don't know, like, when you're reading it, some stuff like that. And I think also just from reading books, you sort of become accustomed to, like, well, like, she'll overcome that, they'll get back together. Like, this is just sort of, like, part of the narrative is sort of, I I don't know, it's kind of how you're accustomed to reading, like, children's books. But the word Right, and and that's that's how you know it's a children's book, because they do all eventually find their way back to each other. And, you know, obviously, that was not the the reality for many many of the people right. who had their families separated right let's go through like the actual plot of it pretty quick because it's you know what an 80 page book yeah. <laughs> in very large font with lots of pictures yep <laughs> um, <laughs> but it starts with Addie is uh, asleep or she's supposed to be asleep she can't sleep and she overhears her father and mother talking and I guess they did they explicitly state yeah that that they they want to run away right and she's and she kind, kind of, of surprised just... and pretends to be asleep so she can listen more. Exactly. And um, she tricks them. <laughs> right. That That's the whole of chapter one. There we go. We nailed it. <laughs> right. And it, and it kind of sets up stuff like she's a slave. They live in a cabin. Here's right. what their life is like a, a little and, bit. And uh, it sets up the fact that her older brother, who's a teenager, has run away in the past and been very badly beaten after being caught again. And their family's just like not... Uh, I'm like I'm about to say something stupid like obviously they're not very happy and they want to leave like right yeah like but but more imminently than than right they're actually planning they're they're ready to go they got a plan in place they have a system uh and then so the next chapter is you know it shows just basically kind of like what her days are like yeah she brings water for the field hands and she works in the house and that's where she overhears that her brother has been sold. 
Yes. Um, and her father. Oh, right. During that lunch with that creepy white guy. Ooh, yeah. Yep. Not that there is any other kind of creepy white guy and any other kind of white guy in a slave narrative. <laughs> uh, right. Um, as Agreed. Like, yeah. We're the worst. Sorry. So, so she tries to get out of her duties for a minute to go and, like, warn her family that this is happening because once they get sold, then they're gone and then their plan falls apart. Yes. But and, and I guess this is, like, what surprised me as a child because, again, you expect there to be a setback and you expect your child heroine to succeed in this case she does not and her brother and father are taken away and uh she's unable to um hide her emotions about this being a nine-year-old who's having half of her family ripped away from her and that is when she does um get uh one lash from the whip which is terrifying and awful to read as an adult i I cried straight up seven times during this 80-page book as an adult person. Yeah, this book's a lot more intense to me reading it as an adult than as a child. Probably also childhood white privilege is part of that as well. But I, I don't know. Again, as a, as a kid, I was just like, oh, well, like, she'll be okay. I don't know. And reading this, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, anyway, yeah. so then it, it shows them carrying on a little bit longer at the plantation without her dad and brother. This is when yeah, she's like, kind of spacing out in the field, and she has to eat worms, and it's very upsetting. Yes. And uh, then she and her mother, her mother tells her the plan that just the two of them are going to She has a baby sister named Esther, who they're going to leave with their... They call her auntie, I'm not, you know, they're like an older couple who is family-like to them at the plantation. Anyway, so they're leaving Esther behind. I also thought it's very interesting, this conversation they have where Addie's like, I hate white people. And her mom's like, I don't hate white people. And I'm like, you can can hate white people in this book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, that's you, can, very... you can hate white people in any book, frankly. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Like, it is a very, uh, let's sidestep this, because... <laughs> you know, that that scene Who's buying these... is very heavy-handed. She's like, I don't want you to hate people, because I don't want you to turn out like them. Like, I don't... No, it's really fine to hate them. Yeah, it was right. very... <laughs> to read. Right, it's, it's very aware that, oh, mostly white girls are going to read this book, so let's... And be buying these dolls. Yeah. (laughs) Although, I mean, it is, like, a nice sentiment from the mom of, like, even though they're doing horrible things, like, I don't want you to have hate in your heart because it only hurts you. Like, that's a nice sentiment for, like, if somebody cuts you off in traffic. But, like... Right. right. (laughs) Like, this is is some real shit. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe if somebody actually said, I own you, you are my property. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell Molly that she doesn't have to hate people, but... (laughs) You know what? so anyway they have this new plan and that they're going to run away the two of them and the mother also reveals that they're not going to be able to take the baby with them yes it's rough guys it's rough Rough stuff yeah um and they you know they just have to believe they know this is uh uh 1864 yeah yes and they um so they know the civil war is happening i think they're kind of perhaps more optimistic than they might actually have been that like slavery's going to be over real soon and like we'll get this worked out kind of like we'll be reunited but for now we got to go and then um they do they go through the woods at night they go through a river uh Addie's mom almost drowns and Addie has to save her with a branch 
it's very dramatic. Um, it is. She's and... she is like a brave little girl. Yes. Yes. I mean, if I was in a river in the dark and my mom who couldn't swim got taken away by the current, like and that I'm... would be it for my mom. And like, I'm and I'm, I'm nine. I'm nine. Yeah. yeah. Even no, even even now, probably. <laughs> like, I don't know that I, I don't know that I could save her. Sorry, mom. I would try certainly, but I don't know. I don't. I. She's just incredible. Yeah. She's an incredible badass. Yeah. Uh, and they make it to like. Um, yeah. I just want to pause really quick and also note: there's this moment after that where the mother explains to her, you know, about how her what was it her grandma. Was 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 stolen from Africa. Oh God, yes. And you, or her great grandmother, and w- you were named after her. Her name was was Aduke. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Forgive me if I'm not. And then gives her a cowrie shell that she, the great grandmother had taken from Africa with her, and they put it on one of the brother's shoelaces so she could wear it as a necklace. And that's like the real weird thing about these books whenever I read them is, yeah, that necklace is, I'm sure, an accessory that you can buy for your doll. <laughs> it is. It is, in fact, one of so, Addie's neat accessories that you have to pay an extra $24 for. Tied up in the commercialism. It's so weird. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> There's, like, a little picture in the book where they're like, this is a cowrie shell. And that was another thing about these books, which it isn't really easy to tell about it now because I'm comparing it to Molly but like in this book there's you know a little side image of the necklace with the cowrie shell and it's labeled as the cowrie shell and earlier when they're talking about the father and the brother being put in shackles there's a little drawing of what shackles are and they're labeled shackles whereas like in Molly's book it's just like this is a canoe there's summer camp (laughs) right this is a tent I I will say well I'll talk more about Molly when we get to Molly I guess um, yes, but it was I mean, very interesting to read these back to back in an afternoon and be like, mm, these are very different books in ways. Absolutely. Sure. And, and also have very weird parallels, which I know we'll talk about. Yeah, yes. when we get to Molly. Um, I, I mean, I will say, you know, I know the cowrie shell is something that has a lot of like cultural and religious significance for a lot of like African countries. So, like, it's not yeah. like. I mean, it is a little forced in there because it is a doll accessory, but it's not like, oh, and she had like a, a gold locket. Or gold lavalier, oh, no, like fine. Like reading this book, it was fine. But then, especially, I guess it was just because the image is in the book, and she's very clearly wearing it on the cover. That I'm like, oh right, you could buy this. I bet for this sure is something you could you buy for your doll. For sure. Which, all right. <laughs> um, I also I thought that conversation about the grandma was like really beautiful. Like she's like your grandmother's journey. Like because she's like, oh, I'm like grandma, I'm like on a journey, but. She's like, yeah, but her journey ended in slavery, and yours is going to end in freedom. And I was like, oh my god, these definitely like are deep. the fifth time I cried in the course of the yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they make it to. I'm actually not sure if they introduce the concept of underground railroad, but that's basically what it is: is they make it to an underground railroad lady's house. Oh, but we're miss- we're forgetting First, the scene yeah. with the Confederate soldiers. Oh my yeah. god, you're right. Well, they, they're supposed to, the house they're looking for is where the train turns. So they see the train in, at night and she gets super excited because she's like, oh, that's where it's turning. That's where we're going. And Addie runs ahead and then runs right into basically a, a camp of Confederate soldiers where they mistake her for, because they're both dressed as boys or men, um, boy and man, <laughs> um, and mistakes her for 
another boy who is staying with them and they're they're probably their slave you know and give it's like oh bring me water and she brings him water very carefully keeping her head down and just like goes through the motions and then waits for them to fall asleep and runs back to her mom which again I would not have the fortitude or like presence of mind to do that as a 30 year old. No. no. Yeah. Addie's I would got just it start, together. I would just cry. That would be the end. <laughs> yes. So they finally make it to this house where Miss Caroline is. Miss Caroline. Yeah. Uh, she gives Addie her signature dress and outfit because yeah, she has been disguised as a boy. And now she gets like the pink dress and the bonnet that her doll wears. Yeah, I, it's really weird. I was reading um, a more modern copy of the book, and they're like, oh, she's talking about her, like, beautiful blue dress. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> she has a blue dress the, now? The doll's, the doll's meat outfit is now a very nice blue dress. But at the, at the same time, my <laughs> little childhood heart was like, this is whack. That is that whack. Pink. That pink dress is great. <laughs> oh, how dare. <laughs> Very strange thing, and that's like basically that's how it ends. They get their clue. Where were they supposed to go? They're gonna hide in a wagon and then go to a boat. Go to a, a boat, which will take them to Philadelphia, which is their final destination. Yeah. But this entire the thing that I thought was strange um, was this whole journey took two days. <laughs> Freedom was very close. It was yeah, they very... they, did, they didn't have super far to go before they got to that first underground yeah i mean like it was harrowing in terms of this book but like in terms of the typical slave narrative we're we're presented with i was like oh that was two days you just that was it you walked for two nights and you got there you're done you nailed it right i mean you have to keep in mind the attention span of your average no totally (laughs) but also i guess I, i don't know where they started from maybe they were just in like kentucky no, it's mentioned. I think it's North Carolina. North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, the north end of the south, anyway. Because, because they, Mama and Papa have that conversation about. She says, "Oh, we should wait. Don't not run away. We're going to be free soon." And he says that that the Union soldiers are all the way at the other end of the state. It's going to take them too long to get there. Oh, yep. Ain't nowhere near our part of North Carolina, which we can segue into. The dialect. The dialect, yeah. Again, as mentioned, I think more so than some other children's books, I think it is, like, a a fairly, like, respectful, uh, like, book that's trying to, like, honor this history, but the dialect, reading it now, is, like, very cringy. Yeah, I definitely had a moment where I was like, oh, really? We're doing this? Yeah. I didn't remember that we did this. Ah. Yeah. Oh, here's a fun, fun fact, though, is that Miss Caroline, who um, they is the person whose home they they go to, who gives them the clothes, etc., um, is an elderly white woman. And much later down the line, um, American Girl introduced a, a girl whose story takes place during the War of 1812. And her name is Caroline and she's white. So even though it doesn't really quite fit with the facts in Addie's story, uh, a lot of people in the fandom like to speculate that Miss um, Caroline, who helps Addie, is Caroline Abbott of the War of 1812. And I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> a little, um, you know, crossing the streams, crossover. Yeah. I'm into it. 
I talked to somebody once who had this idea that every single one of the dolls was like the reincarnation of the one before. And what? Like some, some Doctor point, Who shit? <laughs> and at some point I was like, they would have all had to die at like the age of ten for this to be possible because That's why that's why it's called American Girl. There's only one. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Because literally at this point, there's one for just about every decade. So a lot of them would have died very young for this to be possible. Oh my goodness. Well, on that note, um, (laughs) I don't know. Did we have anything else to say about Molly? Like the dialect is cringy. Um, Like we meant, I don't know. I don't know if that was sort of considered like. I'm guessing it was considered more acceptable at that time. I don't know. By that time, I mean 1993. But... 1993 was another world, dude. Yeah. I mean, and also not, but people weren't raised on the internet then. Right. Um, oh, also, I guess I should mention these books all at the end. They come with a few pages of historical context. Um, like, just straight up nonfiction. Like, here's what the Civil War was. That's nice, I guess. I don't know. So Addie's is like, here's slavery. And Molly's like, this is what summer camp was like. Right. <laughs> and in the, During World War II, moms and dads wouldn't necessarily be able to take care of their kids during the summer. So they sent them away to these camps. I, I will say, I, we read Me, Addie, which is the first book of Addie's series. And then Molly Saves the Day, which is the fifth book of Molly's series. So just just for funsies, I also reread Meet Molly to like see where Molly started, and I will say the first one gets some of this sort of again it's not comparable, but at least some of the heavier history gets out in this first mm-hmm. one. So versus the camp one where it's like here's a canoe, at least in that one it's like here's a victory garden and like here's a this, and it's a little. They more. do talk about D Day in this one, right? They, they give some some relevant facts about that through the narrative. So, I mean, we're not totally without historical importance. Right. Um, so this, uh, but this is the fifth one. Molly saves the day. She goes to summer camp. And I, I just want to talk a little bit, like I said, I read all these when I was a kid and I have mentioned this in previous flashback summers, a real weakness for me. Like when I was a kid, I loved going to summer camp and I loved reading any book about summer camp, but I was always sort of slightly, mad or confused in that way that kids can be when they just know that something is a certain way and it's like wrong in a book and almost every book about summer camp is about camps that are like way fancier than the ones that I went to because it'd be like you know we stayed up in our bunk beds in our cabin I was like um like when you go to camp you go in a platform tent and you sleep on a cot and like you know you don't have electricity and like what garbage are you guys talking about and so for me when I read this book about Molly McGuire's camp that she went to in the 1940s I was like this is what camp is like (laughs) and it did did sound like the camps that I went to as well yeah I, I mean I went to probably like slightly fancier camp than Molly McIntyre but only very very slightly and it was a good 50 years later Right. And it also, they don't specifically mention Girl Scouts, so I'm not sure if some of this is specific to Girl Scouts or just sort of, like, old-timey traditions, but, like, a lot of the songs that she does and, like, kind of things that they do, like, we also would do at the camp that I went to, and that was, like, very meaningful to me. 
And that, to me, is, like, the purest dose for, like, me as as a white girl of, like, representation matters. Uh, like, if you are, like, you know, when people are like, oh, why do people care if there's, like, books about black kids? Like, can't those black kids just read about white kids and imagine? Like, sure, but that's shitty. Like, for me, like, I could read those books about kids who went to camp at fancy camps and, like, imagine, but how, like, special and how lit up I felt when I read this book about a camp that was, like, my camp was amazing and I can only you know that's obviously not as significant as like the character with your religion or your skin color or like your whatever like but at the same time it was super important to me and so that's that's my shout out to to Molly Maguire and her camp and her problems that ultimately are not that big of a deal <laughs> Renata yeah. Her last name is McIntyre. What? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Jesus, call yourself a fan. Uh, Here's my question also, since we did the meet Addie and then Molly saves the day. Sorry, I just blanked completely. What were like the other stories that Addie had? What was her learns a lesson? What lesson did she learn? Um, well, she, she learned to... how to read. She learned how to read. Oh, okay. And her letters. And she um, she teaches her mama letters by making them out of of dough when they're cooking together right on um it's pretty sweet Mm -hmm. i'm into it all right um back to molly but mcintyre i I just want to say on the subject of summer camp is that this book revolves around the concept of a color war yes and that spoke to me so deeply because the camp that i went to had a color war when I was there when I was very little. Um, But as I got older, like probably by the time I was eight, they had had to cancel it, even though they'd been, even though they'd been doing it for like 60 years or something, because it had gotten so bloodthirsty. (laughs) And it was like, people wouldn't, you know, you were, you either were a blue or you were a white from the minute you stepped on camp. And like, people just like, wouldn't interact with people Ooh. from the other team. And it's it not was... good to have a color war and one of the colors be white. Right. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate. Those are the blue and white are the colors of the camp. I see. Um, but still not good. Real no. bad. Yeah. I my, was my camp did not have a color <laughs> war. That was where my, I could only write with Molly so far, but not to the not to the color work sense. I mean, it, the color war thing. Like, I was six and seven, probably the years that I was there, and color war still existed. And when I came back to work there from ages eighteen to twenty three, I would still, whenever somebody who was like an old alumni, alumna, whatever, would come to visit, it would always be like, "Oh, were you a blue or a white?" And I'd be like, "I was a blue." <laughs> and it was still. It was. It was. It was some deep, deep shit. That's <laughs> also, I just I just realized that Molly McGuire was the name of the bar that my friends and I used to go to in our hometown. <laughs> and, a little different. And not a doll. <laughs> I was like, literally like, are you sure? Molly McGuire sounds so familiar. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, Molly McIntyre. I'm not going to use her so last this, name anymore. It's too much. No, just Molly. Just Molly. Uh, so this book starts with her going to summer camp, and they do summer camp for a week, and it's kind of glossed over very quickly. It's her and her two BFF. Yeah, Linda and Susan. There we go, Linda and Susan. Susan. I couldn't remember Susan's name. I was hoping someone else would. They do campy things and yeah. sing campy songs. 
And it establishes early on that Molly is afraid to do underwater swimming, which relatable because I too was afraid of underwater swimming and the whole situation of like, well, I don't want to get my glasses wet. And I was like, I feel you, Molly. <laughs> and she's had a traumatizing by a certain measurement of trauma uh, experience earlier in the camp season where she has fallen off the dock and had to be rescued by a lifeguard Yeah, out of the deep so, end. Yes. Yeah. She does not like putting her face underwater. Right. Which, you know, if you if you read this back to back with like, well, Addie had to swim across a river and rescue her mom from drowning. It's like, okay, right. get it together, Molly. But <laughs> get it together. <laughs> but if you're reading this as a child and you're like, I too am afraid of swimming, then it's like <laughs> it's, it's very, a much different book. Very relatable. In yeah. That circumstance. And if you're yeah. sort of spacing these out and not reading them all in the same afternoon, also that helps. <laughs> slightly different experience um but it also establishes in that conversation that was it susan cannot canoe to save her life susan's real bad at canoeing also relatable real bad canoe (laughs) and linda hates spiders and bugs and worms this will be important later yeah Mm -hmm. you don't don't even have to wait very long at all for it to come back up nope uh and then the next day uh, they he'd learned that they're gonna be doing the color war Yes. Which and is that like everyone... a kind of, in this particular instance, a kind of bizarre version of Capture the Flag where only yeah. one team has a flag, as far as I yeah. can tell. Yeah. That was not it's... what our color war was. It was like a more of a, like, Olympics, many different kinds of events throughout the course of the summer mm-hmm. winning like, points Like a Hogwarts House Cup situation. Absolutely. I was about to make that comparison. I love <laughs> that we're on the same page. <laughs> High five. Uh, so yeah, so the ta- the whole camp is going to be split into two teams, and one team is gonna like have to get up and row to this island, and they're gonna have a flag there, and they have to defend it from the other team who has to figure out a way to get that flag and bring it back to shore. And the all the all the adults, all the reasonable adults on this island will just be hiding and watching and not interfering because this is a kid- book for kids where kids get to make. <laughs> Their Can we talk shitty... for a second about the fact that the woman who runs the camp is named Mrs. Butternut? <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> Which is the whitest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> I just, I couldn't, I, I had to read that page like three times because I was like, surely it's going to become a different name if I read it over and over again. But no, her name nope, continued did. to be Mrs. Butternut. Yep. Anyway. I just wanted to talk if about If you read it enough times was. and get confused enough, you could just misremember it as something else. Perhaps True. perhaps a bar. I don't know. <laughs> Buckethead. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, and the three girls are split up. Linda is on a different team from Molly and Susan. And the team captain... What team are they on? They're on the red team. Red team. Okay. And the team captain for their team is this more senior girl... With a weird name. Dorinda. Dorinda. That was quite a name. Uh, and she is very bossy and very particular about how everything's going to go down. And she's like, we're just going to, like, her, her plan is we're going to all canoe over to the island and take it. And Molly immediately is like, this is not a great plan. I think yeah. that the adjective you're searching for for Dorinda is the worst (laughs) she's the worst like she's got all this seniority she's always winning all these competitions all summer long and then she gets into like a place of being in charge and gets all bossy and it's like well this plan that's obviously not going to work is what we're going to do you've been there for years 
You should know this isn't going to work. You can't just canoe up there onto the beach and expect to walk up to that flag. You, you I know, just, I'm sorry. Maybe I, it's I a fable about, like, complacency, like, America. Like, you know, like, you just, things have been too easy for you and you forget about strategy. I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, all their dads are soldiers. Yeah, well. Like, <sighs> anyway, I just didn't have a lot of time for Dorinda and her her lack of forethought. Yeah, Dorinda is bad at color role. war. For, we can She's, all agree on that. Absolutely. And Molly tries to point that out and is publicly shamed. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Dorinda's like, oh, what do you want to do? Swim? And it's like a real big burn because everyone knows Molly's afraid to swim. <laughs> I mean, hey. <laughs> and so Molly's like, okay, like, never mind, never mind. Yeah. Uh, and then so the next morning, they, they enact exactly this plan. And it, uh, because they have to canoe over, Molly and Susan share a canoe. And because Susan is so bad at canoe, uh, they are the last kind of across the little lake to the island where they watch everything play out exactly as Molly expected. They all just kind of pull up onto shore and are immediately tagged and put into color war prison. And so it's just Molly and Susan left. Mm-hmm. So dun, they, dun, dun. um, I think there might be a, Oh, there might be a middle step where they go back to shore and look at the map that Dorinda had they made. Back, yeah. And they kind of think about they it. Also and, collect, collect uh, themselves. Their, yes. Will yeah. collect themselves and then collect some some worms and some. Oh yes, they oh, come right. up with their evil plan. That's right. Yes, because Wait, person. But who, do they uh, find they, they must find the little inlet first? Yes. Oh, I think they, they find it by accident because they've been so bad at canoeing. Right. So bad at canoeing. Yeah, because when they tried to pull, that's what happened. They tried to pull up to the island, and Linda, who is uh, in charge of the Susan. prison, Susan, no, Linda on the other team. Okay. Linda's the bugs right. one, Susan's the canoe one. Right. It's just too much. It is, it is. Uh, Linda on the other team immediately sees them and blows the whistle to get the everyone to come and try to capture them as well. So they end up kind of canoeing off to the side and they find this little inlet where nobody else can see them from the other team from there. And they are reeling from Linda's great betrayal. Right. Yeah. So they decide to take her down with their insider mm-hmm. knowledge of her phobias. Yeah, so they go back. This is some Slytherin shit, y'all. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They go back. I once put a Facebook thread up on my very own personal Facebook where I called for my friends to help me sort the American girls into Hogwarts houses. Because, mm. of course, I did. Of course. And all my friends, or a bunch of my friends, tried to be like, oh, they're all Gryffindors, or they're all Hufflepuffs, or, you know, a couple people were like, well, Molly's a Ravenclaw, because she has glasses. That's (laughs) how being smart works. Um, And I I finally had one friend pop up and be like, yo, the color war with some Slytherin shit. Molly (laughs) is a Slytherin. And I was like, oh my god, she's totally correct about that. Yeah. And my sister was really furious at me about it. Like, I still, like, we still can't talk about it. Oh she my gets goodness. really mad. Yeah. So. Addie's There's some insight into though. my, my family problems. Addie is 100% a Gryffindor. <laughs> so they go back to the main shore. They collect some bugs. They take a look at the map and realize that they're, the little inlet that they found is not on the map. Uh, 
that Dorinda had been using to plot. But then did they find another map and that's where it's labeled? Yeah, I don't, that didn't really make sense to me because they say it's not on there, but then they also find out that it's called Poison's Point. So Poison's Point, and no one thinks anything about that at the time. That's Why would it be called all. that? I think maybe totally. they realize it must have been at Poison Point, but because the inlet's so small, it doesn't show that. They just realize that was the same basic area. Whatever. Sure. Okay. Okay. They that go- makes more sense than what Valerie Tripp wrote. I'll take it. <laughs> I have the book uh, here. I'll flip through it while you guys explain. So then they go back yes. across the lake towards the island. Oh, and Susan has lost her paddle at this point oh, on the way right. back. So they only have one paddle. Um, so Susan has to steer. Yes. And she is oh, getting better. At the beginning. That's what happened. They tipped over. That's why they were late. That's right. That's why they were bad. They were so bad they tipped over. But yeah, so they only had the one paddle and like Susan was like, I can't sit in the front. We'll tip over again. And Molly's like, well, you'll have to sit in the back and then and you'll have to paddle. She's like, well, I can't paddle. So I'm bad. And it's like, girl, <laughs> you have to be in one of the two seats. So finally, Susan, <laughs> that's how can you work? <laughs> I will say, realized, I will interject paddle. and say when I worked at summer camp, I taught canoeing and there were many Susan like girls who like literally were like, well, I want to be in the middle, and we didn't usually put three in a canoe. I was like, there's no middle. You have to do I, I was a Susan Lake girl. I, in fact, went on a week-long camping trip where I do not think that I did any paddling. Yeah. So anyway, they head back to the island, to their little inlet, with, oh, well, first they, got, they make their plan, and they crawl around under their tent and gather worms and spiders and bugs and other creepy crawly things since they know that that is their friend linda's greatest fear and since she betrayed them by blowing the whistle then this is all all's fair in love and war this is how friendship works this is how friendship yeah her plan was to send susan up onto the beach to dump the worms and stuff on linda and then free free the girls but then susan's like well they just saw me paddle across so if you suddenly show up because molly had been hiding right so they're like if you suddenly show up then they'll be confused (laughs) so she she takes her can of evil and (laughs) heads in that direction but then she comes across the inlet and yes she has no choice but to swim across it, which will involve not only going underwater, but sticking the can of disgusting right? creepies in her shirt. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. She, that was the best solution. I don't. Well, she was really... just going to swim and it didn't have to go underwater, but then there was another blue team person or red team person patrolling. And so she That's had to right. duck under. She had to hide. Uh, and she very bravely ducked under. With and opened her shirt. eyes underwater, no less. And opened her eyes underwater. <laughs> this, this in comparison to Addie's great swim. I mean... Right, exactly. The, the struggle is the same, obviously. Yep, no, exactly. Listen, Molly, don't listen to the haters. I'm proud of you, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. And then she um, follows up her great victory by dumping a can of fear on her best friend. Yeah, Susan starts distracting everybody by, like, waving around and yelling in a canoe. And so everybody except Linda went running down to try and get her. And then, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm on the actual page. It says, Molly scuttled out of the inlet like a crab. And I was like, (laughs) great. 
and she runs up and yells worms and throws the can of worms and spiders on her friend <laughs> and frees all the other girls from the blue team from prison. And like as they run off, like Linda doesn't even chase her. She's just so demoralized and upset. It's like betrayed. that it's like that Reddit thread of the boyfriend who threw a jar of spiders on his girlfriend to cure her of her fear of spiders. <laughs> and then he was murdered and dumped all at once. Yes. I it was it was yeah. I'll I'll link to that if you haven't read it. I know it's been around Twitter a lot. That's, I have not that's... read it, but I am angry on her behalf already. Oh my god, it's a nightmare and she did break up with him. Thank goodness. Good. Good. <sighs> I think I encountered it from how Nicole Cliff likes to go through um, yeah. Reddit, ask a like, relationship, whatever. Um, anyway, it's basically the same as this. Exactly the same. So they all <laughs> run to their canoes and paddle and back paddle to camp back. and realize that <gasps> their fearless leader, Dorinda, was being kept in a different prison, so she's not there. <laughs> right. I can't believe there's multiple prisons on this tiny island. <laughs> on a well, lake. she's in the, she's in the boss prison. Is that what it's called? The general I mean, it's prison. So elaborate. The captain the prison. Captains. The special captain's prison. Um. <laughs> so they all get back to camp and they're like, "Oh, what do we do without our leader who steered us so well the first time? How will we survive without her?" And Susan then volunteers Molly. Of course she does, because she's a good friend who doesn't dump bugs on her friends. Right. She just plans it. And the whole, I get, you know, I get Susan being into it, but the whole camp is like, yeah, let's let this nine-year-old be our leader. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess she did just rescue all of them, so they, like, owe her, like, the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so she comes and, and, up. And in that moment when they're like, you'll be the captain, Molly. Molly, <laughs> it goes, Molly felt a little tickle of pride. And then she's like, starts worrying. And then she's like, I bet people felt this way before D-Day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Molly's like, remember the newsreels? <laughs> <laughs> and then because she's thinking about D-Day, she comes up with the brilliant plan for how it's they're true. all going to snick sneak sick through how they're gonna sneak through they're gonna sneak through just like a wolverine (laughs) (laughs) cutting through a hot dog um because the inlet's too small for all their canoes obviously but they decide to pull a d-day and uh tie them end to end and walk across them as if they were the barges on d-day that they drove the tanks on um but instead they're canoes and little white girls so that's the plan uh, and that's exactly what they do. They go back to Poison Point, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they. I think it's around point. this mo- around now when it's revealed that the reason it's that called, called Poison, Poison point, point, yes, because of the poison ivy. Yes, and they're all like, "Well, war is hell. We're just gonna go through it." <laughs> and they do. <laughs> they sure do. Like the yep. good little soldiers they are. Yep. They sing camp songs about it. And uh, and they win. And then they, they get the they flag win. and they win. <laughs> That's it. They did it with D-Day style. They win the color war. Afterwards, they get ice cream as a reward. And then the director's like, you went to Poison Point. You were all going to get Poison Ivy. And then they do get Poison Ivy. And that's the end. Yep. Well, actually, what happens is she's like, you all have to leave this ice cream party and go to the showers. Yes. So yeah. only the other team is going to get the ice cream. 
Yep. And Susan and Molly are quite concerned that they have ruined their friendship with their friend Linda. Understandably, it probably should have been ruined. Um, <laughs> but instead, Linda forgives them and brings them ice cream. Yeah. Yes. And is very proud that Molly swam underwater. Yeah. That's how you know Linda is a Hufflepuff. Ah, uh, yeah, true. Because <laughs> I'm a Ravenclaw and I would have been like, nope, I'm eating your ice cream. I'm not even a Slytherin. <laughs> so yeah, that's Molly saves the day. Molly saved it. She saved it, and unless you're Linda, and then she writes a letter to her dad about camp. Oh right, because dad's at, and he knows all about this kind of shit. I totally missed that part. That might not have been in my ebook. I feel um, there's a picture. I don't know if it actually says it, but the oh. closing. There's oh. a picture of the. Uh, yeah, there's just a picture uh, at the end where there's a tipped over bottle of calamine lotion and uh, Camp Gowanigan stationery where she's written, Dear Dad, here I am. And she's included a picture. Uh, here I am carrying the flag in the Camp Gowanigan Fourth of July parade. Do you think my face looks funny? Well, it does. I have poison ivy. Just about everyone at camp does. How did we get it? Well, Dad, that's a long story. And there's a little picture of her and it's black and white and she's carrying the flag, but you can tell that she's definitely got some kind of lotion all over her entire body, which I don't think they crawled through the poison ivy. They just kind of walked through it, but that's fine. Sidebar, so when, yeah. when the name of the camp was first mentioned, I did, yes. a, I did a little bit of a cringe at like, oh, look, it's a camp with some kind, like, like all summer camps, some kind of culturally appropriative uh, yes. native word as its name. And then I realized it's actually just a terrible pun. Yep. Go on again. Go on. Go on, Molly. (laughs) Because camps have to have a Native American sounding name. Yeah. (laughs) They do. It seems to be some kind of weird rule. Yeah. I don't know whose rule it was. White people's. White people's (laughs) rule. That's white people. Sorry about us, guys. Just sorry about us. So, yeah, comparatively, uh, a little less of a struggle. Yep. But, you know, everyone's got to get through their own day. That's right. (laughs) They do. (laughs) I, for instance, had a struggle with my Skype account earlier, and uh, these ladies ranked it below Addie's struggle, but above (laughs) Molly's. So, you know, like, everything's relative. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, instead of Hogwarts house sorting, you, like, rate your struggle by American Girl Doll. (laughs) <laughs> so if if we were doing a scale I would say definitely like well of the first five anyway although arguably I think Samantha could even be above Molly because like her real problem is Nellie's problem yeah she's pretty privileged I think she and she and Molly are definitely the uh the least struggling of the bunch that's for sure Kirsten, you know, like, doesn't speak any English, and her best friend dies of typhoid fever, and... But she's got that sweet Christmas dress, so... She sure does. Mm-hmm. Yes. St. Lucia, Yep. Yeah. With the wreath and the flowers, which I always mm-hmm. found, like, terrifying as a child. Right? Like, she walked around with actual lit candles in her hair. I could barely brush my hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure, you know, she comes with her own tiny little hairbrush, so... No, that's you have to separately. You have to take her to the doll salon. Exactly. That's a thing. I know. They have those. <laughs> it tickles me. 
Um, okay, so we've talked about the books. Um, now do we want to do any uh, post-book stuff? <laughs> any po- before we get into our dramatic readings where we'll read aloud from some of the books. I think, uh, I think we kind of hit most of the things we wanted to say. Okay. And certainly, I mean, the way our podcast goes, like, we're all welcome to bring up tangents later if we think of them, but... Uh, Absolutely. There'll be five other more times to chime in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Perfect. So we'll uh, put a pin on this for now. Circle on two dramatic readings. Um, Becca's going to go first uh, because we're going chronologically, and she's going to read you some Addie business. Uh, I'm going to read the the harrowing crossing of the river where she has to uh, save her mom. They stood on the bank of the river for a few moments, afraid to enter the foaming, angry water. Sam had taught Addie how to swim, but this water looked dangerous, and Mama didn't know how to swim at all. Holding tight to each other, they started into the water together. Addie picked her way along the squishy bottom, her feet slipping on the slimy rocks that were stuck in the mud. Once she tripped on a rock, losing her balance and pulling Mama with her. Addie felt her mother's grip tighten around her hand and realized again how frightened Mama was. Pulling themselves up, they slowly made their way to the center of the river. There, the current started to pull at them. It lifted them off the bottom and dragged them sideways. Hard as they tried to walk against it, the water was stronger than they were, and they were pushed farther and farther away from shore. Addie could hear Mama sputter as water filled her mouth and nose. Mama, keep your head up, Addie yelled as loud as she dared. Just don't go under. Suddenly, a huge swell of water rushed against them, pulling Mama's hand from Addie's, dragging her away. Addie turned just in time to see her mother disappear beneath the churning water. Addie wanted to scream, but she kept it inside. Instead, she drew in air, filling her lungs, and dove under the water. She struggled against the current, trying to stay close to the place where Mama had disappeared. She couldn't see a thing in the dark water. She felt around for Mama, but she found nothing. Addie's lungs began to burn. She was running out of air. Popping up above the water, she looked around frantically. Mama, she called, gulping for air. Mama, where are you? No. Mama, where are you at? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> A little self-correcting for this dialect. <laughs> Mama, where are you at? Afraid no answer would come, she dove down again. This time, she let the current push her while she dragged her arms through the water, searching for her mother. Suddenly, Addie was stopped by a fallen tree under the water. She groped among the branches, but their sharp ends jabbed and poked her. She kicked furiously to get away when suddenly her foot hit something soft. It was Mama trapped in the branches. Addie braced herself against a large limb, grabbed Mama, and then pushed off against the tree with all her strength to bring both of them to the surface. Gasping for air, the two struggled to the far shore. Clutching each other, they finally reached the shallows where the water calmed. Exhausted and breathless, they fell on the riverbank. When Addie could finally talk, she whispered, Mama, is you all right? You saved me, Addie, Mama said weakly. You a brave girl. Addie was shivering as she and her mother got up and slowly made their way into the woods. Their wet clothes stuck to them. Mama had lost her kerchief and her hat was ripped. Addie pulled her own hat from her pocket. Other than being wet, it looked fine. She pulled it down tight on her head and thought, maybe it is a lucky hat. She reached to see if the cowrie shell was still around her neck. It was there and something else was too. It felt like a wet leaf. When she pulled it off, Addie realized it was a leech. She shuddered and quietly flicked it away. So not only Which is the most ways, amazing way to deal with a leech, by the way. I would have screamed my head off. Casually. Casually just get rid of that thing. And if, if you've already had to eat worms. like I mean, yeah, oof. I guess. <laughs> Crikey. 
All right. So, in other news, uh, <laughs> here's some stuff Molly has to deal with. Some rough stuff. Some, Let's go. Some real rough stuff. Uh, this is uh, toward the end of the color war, and uh, you'll you'll figure it out. You'll get it. Molly scuttled out of the inlet like a crab, keeping an eye on Linda the whole time. She hid behind a bush while she caught her breath, but there was no time to waste. She pulled the lid off the can and sneaked quietly toward the prison. When Linda's back was turned, Molly dashed up behind her and yelled, Worms! She dumped the stuff in the can on Linda's head. Spiders and stems went down the back of Linda's shirt. Sticks and bugs fell over her face. Worms were caught in her hair. Arg! Linda howled. Help! She clawed at her hair, trying to pull the worms off. She jumped up and down wildly. Then she turned and saw Molly. You? She cried. Molly froze. She was supposed to tag Linda and take her prisoner. She couldn't do it. This was Linda, her friend. She didn't look like the fierce Red Army guard anymore. She was plain old Linda, and she looked like she was going to cry. Molly ran away. She rushed toward her teammates who were prisoners. Blue Army, Blue Army, you're free. Follow me, hurry up. With a great cheer, the Blue Army stampeded out of the prison. Linda didn't stop anyone. She was still pulling worms out of her hair. The Blue Army girls dragged their canoes into the lake, jumped into them, and paddled furiously, churning the water white. Some girls swam next to the canoes as their buddies paddled, and others had a leg up on the side of their canoes, trying to climb aboard. When the Red Army girls saw what was happening, they ran crazily in all directions. Some headed up the hill to protect the flag, some ran across the beach toward the prison, some went to their canoes to try to chase the Blue Army. They were shouting, stumbling, and bumping into one another. Susan paddled her canoe toward Molly, coming close to the shore. Molly swam as fast as she could to the canoe. Get in! Get in! cried Susan. Molly pulled herself into the canoe. Carefully, Susan leaned way to the other side to balance Molly's weight. When she was safe in the canoe, Molly turned back to look at the beach. Linda was standing all alone. Her hands hung down at her sides. She wasn't even trying to blow her whistle. Molly made herself turn away. She picked up her paddle and followed the rest of the Blue Army back to camp. The war wasn't over yet, but Molly felt as if she had already lost something very important. Her soul. War is hell. <laughs> so, that's Molly. <laughs> little Slytherin very Molly. difficult thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then I'll move on to Would You Rather? And I'll ask Would you rather have to leave your infant sister behind in slavery or be on different teams from your friend in Color War? I mean, as I said, I lived the being on different teams from your friend in Color War thing, and it was very intense. But I think it's still like a fraction of the uh, shittiness of having to leave a member of your family behind in slavery. So I'm going to go with, with the second option. Yeah. These would you rathers are a little uh, one-sided this week. <laughs> they're, they're a little on I, I don't know what you mean. All of these historical eras have important tribulations. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Didoy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> 
right. How about this one? Would you rather be force-fed worms or have a can of worms dumped on you at summer camp? Uh, I'm not, like, bo- like, I don't love worms, but I'm not bothered by them. Like, if they were dumped on me, I'd be like, yes, let's get them off as quickly as possible, but it wouldn't be a big deal. Whereas, like, I, like, also, like, obviously, force-fed is a very specific thing. No one wants to be force-fed anything. I think Mm -hmm. even if it was just, like, you had to eat worms or have them dumped on you, I'd probably still have them dumped on me. Right. Even if it was a how-to-eat-fried-worms situation. The only thing that gives me pause is the fact that there were also spiders in that can. But that's not what the question is, and I'm going with that. <laughs> okay. I mean, I still think I'm, I'm the answer onto is, that. I still think that the answer is that you want them dumped on you, but I'm also going to have nightmares. It'll be rough stuff, yeah. Right. yeah. Well, luckily, uh, we're not really going to do this to you. <laughs> My the, God, we can be friends. Yeah, this, this is only a podcast. You are not also on Punked. You'll... Just kidding, I'm right behind you. Worms! (laughs) (laughs) Arg. All right, last up. Would you rather celebrate your Camp Color War victory with ice cream or with a trip to Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie, that only serves steaks and cakes? By the way, watching that movie was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. (laughs) Oh, I, I'm I'm so excited that you've seen it. Uh, I have. I watched it with my with my sisters and my brother in law, and another person, um, and it was delightful. All right, so it, so you know all about steaks and cakes. Oh, I know about steaks and cakes. Um, but I'm a big ice cream fan, so I'm always gonna pick ice cream. Oh my goodness. Me, I'm gonna eat some steaks and some cakes and hopefully, hopefully a cake that looks like a steak. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the steaks and cakes dream. Oh yeah, that's like the um like the, the highest evolution. Like, <laughs> I mean know. I just wanna clarify that my feelings about ice cream are similar to like Joe Biden's feelings about ice cream. <laughs> like there are very few things that I would pick over ice cream i mean i love ice cream but i also love the fact that steaks and cakes is the sponsor of our podcast Mm. um (laughs) i take it back i changed my mind uh it's it's okay uh you know they they cut the checks directly to us Uh, i mean they don't because they are fictional i cannot stress this highly enough but within you say this every time but it is very much a real chain no it's not not it is not not as pictured in the movie not as pictured in the movie, but there is a franchise restaurant called Steaks and Cakes. But it's and they just don't necessarily of... serve platters of steaks and only cakes. I think we all know I'm not that? talking about that. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, my idea would that's be if like, we... that's like you saying like, oh, we fictional McDonald's. It's like, well, yes, but also no. I I don't believe this. I want links. I want receipts. I don't believe that this is a real place. <laughs> I mean, again, cannot stress highly enough. As pictured in Christian Mingle the movie, it is not, <laughs> and that's all I care about. And I'm... I mean, I think almost everything in Christian Mingle the movie is not as it was pictured yeah. in Christian <laughs> Mingle the movie. Well, that's a fair point. No, you're not wrong. I, no. I Certainly wish... not like race. <laughs> no. Nope. This jump... is what we we already did this episode. We jumping right this in there. Episode. All right, I'm sorry, I'm just sorry. I'm just gonna shove a whole cake in my mouth and we'll move on. 
Okay. We'll move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest things to read instead of or in addition to these books, which, I mean, I'll say again, I don't think overall that these books are bad. I know there's still, I know there's still, like, I still got all these from the library. Um, I haven't read the newer ones, but I know they still are, are popular with children and cringy dialect aside and overabundance of white girls aside i think generally it's a decent series yeah absolutely they definitely um continue to struggle with race representation they've only had three historical black girls one of whom lasted three years before she was retired and the other one just came out last year so addie's um shouldered like the entirety of black history according to this company for a very long time um they also only have one latina historical character josefina and have only had one asian american uh, named historical character and she was a best friend not a main character so that compared to you know the 15 or so white girls is unfortunate uh and something they really need to work on but they do have pretty good history and the stories are pretty cute so they're not getting everything wrong they're just not getting everything right that's fair fair to say okay so again you know if if you your kid wants to read about historical girls could do worse than these um some other series are the dear america slash my name is america series which are two sibling series of of faux diaries set in different historical time periods. I'll also call back to horse diaries, which, as discussed in Saddle Club, are diaries written from the points of view of horses who live in different specific points, of, specific historical points in time. <laughs> Fun fact: Horse Diaries has a sister series called Dog Diaries. No, oh what? Is there a it's cat true. diaries? To say there is not. It's horse diaries and dog diaries. I Ooh. used to. I used to work um, in the editorial department responsible for both of those series. So. Do, you, do you know anybody, and can you put Cat Diaries in their ear? Well, I can tell you that there is a series coming out called Permaids. Yes! What? Yes! <laughs> uh, which is about, yes, cats who are also mermaids. Ah! Um, and I'm very excited. <laughs> sweet so is that's maybe so not a comp to american girl however <laughs> i i do bet there's a lot of crossover readers though i would not be surprised i wanted to shout out um the who is who was series which are um uh non-fiction they're biographies of various um current and historical figures of importance and I think those are pretty great Mm -hmm. um and also the ordinary people change the world series which again are nonfiction picture books um about various historical people and I think those are both really great for kids around this age looking for um a little more background into history in general nice I once again don't have any recommendations because I don't work with books and I shouldn't be on a book podcast (laughs) yeah but but you're real good at being the lighthouse for my canoe Becca (laughs) whatever you need girl (laughs) you're real good for being the comet to my comet 
<laughs> but I think perhaps the more apt analogy is that she's letting you sit in the front of the canoe. <laughs> oh, right. Yep. <laughs> While she steers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pivot a little bit and I'm going to give a shout out to the graphic novel Honor Girl, which is a graphic novel memoir. I wouldn't hand it to a child who's reading American Girl, but if you like books about camp and you want uh, some girls who take their summer camp real seriously uh i recommend it it's also a a compelling queer coming of age story is written and illustrated by maggie thrash so that's where i'm going if you want a camp story i also just since it's been a while since we've been talking about the american revolution i just want to say uh have you heard of a musical called hamilton i happen to have tickets to see the musical hamilton in less than one month nice right i'm very excited so that that I think is a great watch alike to American Girls. Absolutely, <laughs> Hamilton is a great watch alike to everything ever. <laughs> yep, that's been a, a recurring thread in our podcast that we've dropped over recent years because we dropped a little bit. Yeah, we think the words mostly gotten out about it, but just in case, if you're just tuning in, you're not to the world. Yeah, we're and not going to throw away a shot. <laughs> that was going to be my one recommendation is to just go back and look at what was recommended when we uh, did our Hamilton episode because I know there were a lot of books about historical women. Yeah, like yeah, because we went a little more broad than only Hamilton's time right. period. Um, yeah, some just looks at at history. So yeah, I would revisit that episode for, just go for a to flight the episode again. It's great, and uh, yeah, do that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we'll have uh, all of those and maybe some other ones if we think of them up at our website, worstbestsellers.com. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing, where we'll suggest uh, candy to go along with this, this series, much like a restaurant will suggest some fine wine to go with your steak and cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and mine is like a chocolate-covered cricket, like they sell at museum gift shops sometime. Um, both because of the the bug connection to these books, and just because it's like kind of educational, but like kind of fun and bugs. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Which featured I, in both books. <laughs> I like kind of struggled with this question because part of me wanted to say gummy worms, and part of me knew that oh, that was man. inappropriate on every level. <laughs> um, so I was. <laughs> I resisted that part of myself um, and I'm going to say blow pops for two reasons. One, because they are the kind of candy that I always used to try to smuggle into my summer camp. Mm-hmm. I once had my friend ship me blow pops in a tampon box. Whoa. <laughs> um, she even like, I think it was actually a pads box because she even like taped pads to either end. So if they opened it, it would look like pads it was some next level shit a plus um, yeah and then also because i feel like at least until you get to the gum stage of the blow pop you're less likely to choke on it while crying over addy or rolling your eyes at molly hmm. safety so. first that's the girl scout way <laughs> i was trying to come up with the most american candy for these american girls Ooh. and in the end i settled on hershey's chocolate uh, because I'm very cynical. <laughs> uh, I think a chocolate that adds, uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but I've just, because I've only ever read it, um, butyric acid, 
they add to their chocolate, which notably uh, smells of vomit. It's also in like, like it's literally in vomit. And also it's in Parmesan cheese. That's why Parmesan cheese smells of vomit. I'm not saying Parmesan cheese isn't amazing and delicious, but it does smell like vomit. Uh, but I think that's the most American thing. And we're used to Hershey's chocolate because Americans, like that's what we're raised on. But the rest of the world kind of looks at America like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And we just continue on oblivious. And I think Hershey's that- chocolate is also, of course, the chocolate of s'mores. The food of summer. That's camp. true. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. But yeah, I think that's the most American thing. <laughs> that's fair. Eating garbage and everyone else going, "What's wrong with you? Why don't you stop doing that?" And we're like, "We're fine." <laughs> don't tell me what we to like do. inches. We like inches, and we like our Fahrenheit. Exactly. We do what we want. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh. great. Good choices, everyone. We're all living our lives great. And let's move on to the Rock, Paper, Snicked, which is, of course, the beloved game where, uh, in place of Kate, Becca will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine from X-Men would be if he were in this book. And Rebecca will have to choose uh, which of these uh, beloved figures most improves the books, or she could choose Paper, which is to leave the books as is. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So if The Rock was in these books, he wouldn't be in these books. He would recognize that any role he might play might be better filled by a woman in order to provide additional examples of women in history and the varied ways they lived. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Wolverine were in the American Girl uh, franchise, he would be an action figure who is not appropriately sized to play with American Girl dolls. Uh, And he would just be, like, a little buddy for Molly to put in her suitcase and bring to camp and, you know, maybe be some kind of decoy in the color war. (laughs) Uh, Point of inquiry. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Is miniature Wolverine alive? Or is he a plastic figure? Well, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Or is this some Toy Story shit? This is some Toy Story shit. Yeah, I've I've crossed out of the books. I'm dealing only with the dolls. If Molly the doll is alive, then Wolverine the action figure is alive. Uh, I suppose really the scenario I was envisioning was a a child playing with both of these toys. But I, I'm totally into the Toy Story version of this. I because I think if it's a Toy Story version where in Molly packs miniature wolverine in her trunk to take to camp and he helps her win the color war then that even wins over Dwayne the rock johnson's amazing feminism well then it's that (laughs) 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 hooray that's how i play the rock paper snicked what? I just didn't feel comfortable inserting Dwayne the Rock Johnson into some kind of role in this book about slavery, and then also didn't feel comfortable inserting him into a role in this book about a girl summer camp where are there there's hardly any adults, never mind men. Yeah, no, I did same uh, same about actual Wolverine, and that's why I transitioned to action figure Wolverine. <laughs> I don't know why, because I'll put Wolverine in anything, but this just felt too uncomfortable. It just yeah, it felt didn't not didn't feel okay. <laughs> well, I thought that they were great choices, ladies. Thank you for um, for you gave me something to really think about. So. <laughs> well, thanks for playing with us, and uh, great game all around. 
Not like that color war. We all, we all played fair, I think. Yeah, we're all still friends at the end, guys. Yeah. No one had to throw any worms on anyone. Oof. And no one has poison ivy. Nope, we're all doing great. Yeah. Nice. Was that your feline friend? Yeah, that's Duarte. Duarte's chiming in a little bit early, Duarte. <laughs> it's not your time Bye. yet. Um, so before we, before we invite you into the conversation, Duarte, uh, humans, what do you guys think the moral of the story is? All right. I think the moral of the story is that Addie is way smarter, more awesome, more hardcore than I will ever be ever in my entire life. And that Molly saves the day and perhaps Molly in general is um, the definition of hashtag white girl problems. That's legit. True, true. (laughs) Uh, My moral of the story is females are strong as hell, or at least as strong as they need to be in their given situation, which for Molly is not very, but they're still strong as hell. (laughs) Damn straight. My moral of the story is representation matters. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh man, you guys, your your morals were way better than me. I cl- mine. I clearly need some practice here. Well, this is our jam. Yeah, but yours. I mean, yours. Yours is the core. Yours is the core of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your 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 moral about Patty is basically the same as mine. Yeah, <laughs> In the I end, that's true. I think. I think. You know, you just need to have me get back next summer. We'll read some other American Girl doll stories, and I'll be more prepared for my moral then. <laughs> I've had a year to think about it. The moral of the story is uh, we'll, we'll wait another decade until you're, like, a new... You've been reincarnated as a new doll. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you'll have a great moral. <laughs> Perfect. All right, now, of course, is uh, is the time for Duarte's Corner when we ask my cat Duarte his opinion. Yeah, there were no cats in these books. Didn't... That's true. I, I, I agree with Duarte that that is a very um, valid criticism. Did one if... of the dolls have a cat accessory she could get? Um, Kirsten has um, a mama cat and kittens. Yeah, she does. All right, but we didn't, you're right, Duarte. We absolutely should have read that book. Yeah. That's we apologize. Um, we'll do better next time. Yeah, we'll try it. We'll do our best to represent cats because we know mm-hmm. that's important. Mm-hmm. And we will absolutely be, uh, you know, starting a petition to get that Cat Diaries series started because I, oh yes, I fully agree. There's a market for that, and and I will work on getting you advanced copies of the Permade. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness, <laughs> he's hype. All right, uh, Duarte, as ever, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. So while while Kate is away, we will check in with her briefly as she waits outside of the Imperial Theater for Dave Malloy and the Great Comet cast. What's up, Kate? We destroyed, that fiction, we destroyed that fiction for you at the beginning of the episode, but we're going to go through the motions. What's up, Kate? <laughs> hey, guys. I finally saw Dave Malloy as Pierre in Great Comet. It was amazing. It was 
just incredible and totally worth standing on 46th Street for two months in anticipation. Like, absolutely, I would do it again. Uh, anyway, I should be home soon and back on the podcast to talk about the boxcar children. I just need to make one more quick stop at the American Theater Wing to prop this bucket of bugs up over their front door. They know what they did. Anyway, I'll see you soon. Bye. That sounds good. <laughs> oh my god, Kate, what a comment. What a comment. <laughs> I've learned so much about comets from this experience. I've learned so much about American girls. Uh, I've learned so much about dolls. It's been a real game changer for you. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right, do any, do any humans have any closing comments? These books were fine. <laughs> I kind of expected them to be worse than they were when I revisited them because that's usually the case during flashback summer. But yep. you know, they were they were all right. They were they were actually kind of better than expected. Yeah, that's... I mean, I love American Girl. Obviously. Do you? A little bit. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of like on the spectrum of hater to apologist. I'm <laughs> a lot closer to apologist than I am to hater. Um, and, but I, I, as I said before, there are a lot of valid criticisms of the line, but I think overall that like creating a space that celebrates girlhood and what's unique and special about that is pretty awesome. And I'm for it. Ooh. Um, one closing thought, I don't think it ever made it into our actual podcast, only like pre podcast discussion, but I filed it away cause I wanted to make a joke about it is, uh, of course, the American, the one boy American girl doll is named, is named Logan, which means American girl has played the rock, paper, snicked, and they have inserted Wolverine into their product. <laughs> so I, and we're going to leave that as the only commentary that anyone makes about that doll that I'm totally not furious about. <laughs> you can feel free to write a blog post. Yeah, well. I'll put it up on the website. All your deep thoughts about American Girl fandom, because it's amazing. Yeah, we're into it. I'll do it. <laughs> yes, I think it would be amazing. Fantastic. It's a deep dive that I did not expect there to be that deep a dive to go into. I didn't think you could attach the word fandom to American Girl dolls, to be honest. <laughs> How little I knew. <laughs> uh, that's what we're specialized is all about. It's just bringing, bringing new and unexpected information to your Opening ears. minds. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. So I learned a lot. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're into our whole deal, uh, why don't you follow us on Twitter? We're worst bestseller with no S because the S is just actually not historically accurate to this time period. Uh, so we dropped it. You can also like us on Facebook where we're worst bestsellers spelled normally. We also have a Goodreads group that you can kind of fine, but Goodreads search is stupid, so maybe just visit our website, worstbestsellers.com, and click on the link that says Goodreads, uh, which is also where you can find uh, links to our Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Patreon feeds. Uh, if you are subscribed to us on any of those things, we would love for you to rate and review us. That is a nice thing, and as I'm sure you've heard every other podcast that you listen to explain to you it uh makes us go up a little bit in the ratings and helps other people learn cool facts about american girl fandom which we want 
to happen. Obviously. <laughs> but not by listening to other people's American Girl Doll podcasts, which exist, but I think uh, it's defunct now, so. Well, you know, someone might start one. Exactly. That's right. Know. Yeah. Be on the lookout. Yes. If but Rebecca starts one, for- we will 100% link to it and endorse it. Yes. But until that time, only us. Just us. <laughs> no other podcast. Nope. <clears throat> Uh, uh, so if you're into all that, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow Kate at 14 across and read all about her comments. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Gin Enthusiastic. Gin, like the beverage I have been enjoying for most of this podcast. And, uh, I'm not going to give you a Twitter, but you can find my American Girl only Instagram account at AG with B. That's B-E-E, like the bug ag with b come see how much of a nerd i actually am (laughs) i can't wait it's really cute well um we'll have a link to that as well at worstbestsellers.com and we will be back at you in two weeks we're gonna continue on flashback summer with the boxcar children by gertrude chandler warner uh yes and kate will be back for that kate will be back so this is me wishing you a fond farewell until someone goes on vacation again and I have to fill in. <laughs> this is me <laughs> thanking Becca for her service for all the books that she read, in addition to all the editing work that she did of removing all the times it takes me to actually get the introduction said. <laughs> <laughs> or spitefully leaving it in. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Just for funsies. Either way, either That's way. That's what friends are for. For <laughs> yep. dumping bugs keep- on each other and embarrassing them publicly. Yeah. Just like to keep you humble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I mean, my self-esteem is fine. Don't worry about it, Mom. It's fine. <laughs> so, again, thank you, Becca, for your uh, your very capable, handy guest hosting and guest uh, paddling of the canoe. Thanks. I'm so glad to hand the oar back to Kate. <laughs> And thank you, Rebecca, for sharing all your American Girl expertise with us. Um, such as it is, no. you're welcome. I, I'm, I believe it. I'm fully. It was extensive. Yes. And thanks to all of you guys for listening. Bye. 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 Oh, you just turned into a robot. Oh, shit. We're so close.